Before we get going into your Hockey IQ podcast episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Rapid Shot. Rapid Shot is the smart shooting lane. Uh, it's like a batting cage for hockey players. Very cool. Tracks your shot in three ways. Accuracy, shot speed, and reaction time. Uh, easy to use. Uh, actually, I used it when I played and was growing up. Very easy. Simply scan your phone in, select your settings, and start shooting. Uh, you can see your stats on the app and online. And you can check them out at rapidshot.com. Uh, great small business. I actually grew up with one of the owner's sons and have played with all the family members by now. Uh, just in local pickups here in Ohio. Very cool local business. Awesome product. I love it. I know quite a few NHLers have them in their homes. Uh, a lot of D1 programs have it at their rinks. So you have to check this out. Rapidshot.com. Check it out. Rapidshot, thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. On today's podcast, we have Dave Reese. He is a prep coach at Brooks School out in Massachusetts. Uh, really great, great institution. Uh, he's won a few championships there. Uh, I like him mostly because he's a Pittsburgh guy, and I'm originally from Pittsburgh as well. So he's already got that going for us. We're going to team up here shortly on, on Dan and his terrible Bengals. So, uh, up and coming Bengals. Uh, they're, 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 they're staying down there for a long time. Don't worry about it, Dan. Nowhere to go but up, baby. Uh, you can stay down. You, you don't have to go up. Come on. Now. Gra gravity is a thing. It is a thing. Guarantee that. Yeah, that's so, true. Anyways, yeah. talking about the uh, the episode here, what was the big takeaways for you on this? I, I think this was absolutely fantastic. Uh, he's got kids that are young, so he's seen it. It's been there quite some time, and, and he owns that company, Bill Hockey Sense, which does great work and, and exactly what we've been talking about. Yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation, and, and his company, the Build Hockey Sense company, is a fantastic idea, and it's something that, you know, you and I have talked a lot about before, Greg, and uh, just a really interesting guy. The one thing that stuck out for me in the conversation was talking about player engagement, and I think that's just so important. It's one of those things where, you know, when you're coaching a practice, it's, it's easy to be kind of one-track-minded where you're, you know, you're, you've got a lesson plan, you've got corrections, and maybe the last thing on your mind is, you know, is the guy at the back of the line? Is he at the back of the line every time? Is it like intentional? And so just being, um, you know, more thoughtful about, you know, maybe more introspective as a coach and what we can do to make sure that our kids are staying engaged. Yeah, you can really tell that he observes his group and really meets the players where they're at. He's not rolling over anyone. He, he makes sure that he takes care of his players. So that was that was very obvious. Um, and then with that, I think that the key that I took away and it's very detailed in here was it's just awareness, just players having the awareness of what's going on at all time, having that engagement. Uh, Cause I think that that holds you back. If you don't have that big picture awareness, be able to see the whole ice. Cause I've had a few players that have worked their tails off, but they haven't been aware and it's held them back from actually thinking the game better. So I loved his idea of engagement, creating that awareness um, and being able to meet that player and, and, pull them from there or push them where they need to go, where they get the ownership and able to really take their game to that next level. So without further ado, I think it's going to be a great conversation. You're going to love it and you're definitely going to want to share it. Here we go. Dave Reese. All right. Welcome Dave to the podcast. Excited to have you on. Uh, you've had a good journey here and most importantly, you're a good Pittsburghian, Pittsburghite, whatever we call them. Good Steelers fan uh, doing the, the God's work up there in the uh, Northeast. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. I'm really excited to uh, to talk to you guys today. Yeah, we're excited too. But I gotta be honest, Greg. That's not. A, I'm from Cincinnati, and that didn't really uh, inspire confidence in me. I'll tell you what. <laughs> You're the only one with a bad team in the AFC North right now. Let's Cleveland finally figured just it relax. out. Just relax. Baltimore's been kicking butt for years. Steelers been kicking butt for years. You, you got problems, man. Not anymore. Joe Burrow's coming to say. Small hands. Doesn't work. Uh, all right. Anyways, get it going. Uh, Dave, give us some background. Tell us about your uh, coaching journey so far. Obviously, you're from Pittsburgh, now out in the Northeast, uh, in the Boston area. So it's got to be a fun journey for you so far. Yeah, well, like you said, I'm a Pittsburgher. Uh, I grew up down there and, and still have a lot of family uh, in the area. Um, I actually kind of got a late start in the game of hockey. Um, I didn't start skating until I was about 10 and playing until I was about 11. It was during that first Stanley Cup dominance era that the Penguins had with Lemieux and Yager and Stevens and guys like that. And I just got hooked on it right away. Um, so I played youth hockey all over the Pittsburgh area, uh, for a few years, um, and ended up coming up to New England to go to prep school at Avon Old Farms in Connecticut, uh, as a 15 year old. And, um, you know, I guess you could say I had an unspectacular playing career. One of my coaches at Avon told me that I skated like I had a piano on my back. Um, <laughs> but you know, I just love the game. I loved going to the rink and hanging out with the guys and, and I love the whole process. I love, you know practice, shooting pucks, working out, kind of the whole deal. And so it, it just has always been a, a big part of things. Um, after that, I went to Holy Cross. And when I was finishing college, I was trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do with my life. Uh, at one point, I actually was thinking about going to law school and ended up taking a job back at Avon teaching and coaching uh, for a couple of years. And, and that really is what set me on, on the path that I'm on now. Um, from there, I, I moved up to this area. Um, my now wife grew up 10 minutes from where we live. Uh, um, started grad school at Tufts University and ended up helping to coach the team there for two years uh, in the NESCAC, which is a fun, fun Division Three league. Um, and then ended up taking over at Brooks um, in the summer of 2006. And I've been here ever since coaching prep school hockey and coaching youth hockey in the area and now coaching my own kids teams too. So it's been a blast. That's awesome. Avon old farms. That's where uh, Cam Atkinson played. That's like a local claim to fame here. Uh, oh, yeah. That's quite, that's quite the impressive, you know, going from starting playing at 10, 11 to playing prep school hockey. That's, that's quite impressive. So your kids, you, you coach your kids teams also. So how old are they and, and what age do you prefer coaching, you know, between like that and prep, obviously it's totally different. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have three kids that play. My youngest is five and she's just starting out this year. Um, I have a son who's eight and a daughter who's 10. Um, I've coached my daughter's team for the last four years and it's a blast, you know, getting into it with the young kids and really helping to grow their love for the game is, is a lot of fun. Uh, and it's just a completely different experience than coaching any of the other ages that I've worked with. Um, I love the prep school age because you have kids that are, are pretty serious about it, um, but are still young enough that they're still impressionable. Um, and, and so it's a nice mix of that. But really it's, you know, coaching is great no matter what the age is. It's just what you're focusing on and how you handle it's a little bit differently with, with the different age groups. 
That's awesome. I, I've got uh, some high schoolers and college. I'm, I'm on the older spectrum like you, but I'm, I'm curious to hear maybe your experience with the young ones or maybe what age uh, do we kind of start training hockey sense or how do you go about doing that with the younger ones compared to the older ones? Well, I think that to some degree, you have to start training hockey sense as soon as they can skate and handle a puck well enough to start to try to play the game. Um, obviously, what you're going to do with those younger kids is a little bit different than what you do with maybe peewee or bandage age kids, which is where you can really, really start to have, have growth in that area and then even older. But, you know, with the younger kids, it's just getting into the basic concepts of what it means to, to get open and what it means to, to find open space when you have the puck or when you don't have the puck and things like that. And then kind of getting into the idea of support, whether it's with the puck or without the puck. And so even, even with the U8, U10, you can really start a little bit into that stuff. And if you use the, the drills and small area games that can emphasize it the right way, you build a little bit of a foundation for it. But really, when you get to, uh, you know, peewee, bantam age kids, when they have a pretty solid skill base, that's when you can really, really start to get into it with the kids. And so that's where the Hockey Sense program that I started a few years ago, that's where our entry point into that is, is, is you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old kids, because that's when you can really start to really grow their hockey sense and then set them on a good path for midget or prep school or junior or, you know, whatever the next step is. That's awesome. And uh, for our listeners who, you know, maybe don't know a whole lot, can you just walk us through your process starting this hockey sense LLC company, really impressive group of coaches. And uh, you know, I've looked a lot, a lot at the website and it's a great concept and you know, it's kind of, it's the exact same concept that we're talking about. So I'm just curious, like how you got started in that and maybe what that journey has been like. It's been a lot of fun. Um, it started about three years ago and I had been toying with it in the back of my mind for a while. As a prep school coach, uh, you get invited out to run practices for different teams in your area whose kids might be looking at your school. You get the chance to do a lot of camps and stuff during the summer with kids in that peewee bantam age group. And some of the things we would try to do out there to get the kids to understand different concepts within hockey sense seemed to really start to resonate with them. And so I ended up with a group of about 20 kids in the 0405 birth years that we started with. We did just once a week so that it wasn't getting in the way of, you know, their skill development coaching or whatever else they're doing during the summer. And it just grew from there. Last summer, we, we tripled in size and, and started to add older age groups. And then this summer, once we got through the, the COVID pandemic, we, we got our groups going up here and we also expanded it down uh, with the help of a friend of mine, uh, Rob Gagnon, who coached at Cushing Academy for about 10 years and is now coaching split season midget teams down in Connecticut. We started two groups down there. And so it's been a lot of fun building the on ice part of it. We use video with that pretty much every session that we do. And then as we got into the, the quarantine for COVID this year, that's when we started adding the hockey hangouts online where we'd get a group of kids on, the, uh, on a Zoom, review a little bit of video. And, and that really was great because that got them talking about what they saw. You'd hear one kid would see a play one way and another kid would see a play another way. They could start going back and forth on it. And I think by the end of it, the whole group really picked something up from it. So that's kind of how it's grown. 
you know, for next summer, we're looking at continuing to make it a little bit bigger. Um, but, you know, we want to make sure that as we do that, that, that the kids are getting the experience that we want them to have from it. That's wonderful. And I got to sit in on a few of those and it was really cool seeing the kids kind of go back and forth and even just the coaches that were on there, what they saw compared to your own eyes, uh, completely different sometimes, which was great. Uh, it was only a great, I mean, it was a great way for me to learn, not just the kids. So I think it was good for everyone involved. Um, I'm curious to kind of see what a, an on-ice session looks like for you. What is a hockey IQ practice, a hockey IQ session look like? Well, it really starts long before we get to the rink. And going into the summer, we know that we have eight or 10 weeks, whatever it is with the kids. We start with some of the basic building blocks early on and then add complexity from there. So typically we'll get the kids to the rink early. This year we had to do it with YouTube videos because of quarantine, but we'll get the kids to the rink a little bit early. We'll sit down and we'll watch maybe five minutes of, of video clips of a concept that we want to work at that day. Sometimes it's something as simple as stick position, looking at offensively or defensively, how you want to put your stick in your body in different situations to be ready to make a play. Sometimes it's a little bit more of a situational thing like attacking and defending two-on-one rushes. But whatever it is, we'll go through a little bit of video, highlighting some of the concepts and then when you get out on the ice, all of the drills, games, skill stations that you do are going to be tied into whatever that concept is. So I like to start things off with a bang. We usually get going with some sort of, of sequence with keep away games and things like that that gets the hand, the feet, talking, you know, getting it all going. Uh, and then over the course of the 80 minutes, it'll be a mix of some transition drills focusing on that, some small area games. We'll usually break up into forwards and D and work on a couple specific skills that we then put into drills or games. And then at the end, you know, the last stretch is just straight up competing and trying to see how often and how well the kids can put that stuff to use. Well, I, I was actually doing some of that uh, with a split season team we have here in Cleveland uh, over the past few, few days here. Um, I did one on angling and it was unbelievable just in that one hour of doing nothing but angling uh, how far they came. And it wasn't even just from the defensive side, from the offensive side. How do you attack? How do you control the defender's feet? I know that's worked out well for me. I don't know about you, Dan. I know you do a lot of video with uh, Belfry. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny just to piggyback off what Dave said. Like, we start all – I coach Bantams, and we start every practice just about – I'd say 90% of our practices with some sort of keep-away game, some chaos. It's crazy how much of the game comes from – puck protection, creativity, kind of figuring out your space on the ice and, you know, the, your surroundings are always changing. So I love that stuff. Um, what's, what's something that, you know, you might teach our audience about just making smarter players? Well, I think that the first thing in trying to make smarter players is that you really have to understand your players and really know them and know how they see things and how they, how they learn. Um, I think that some of the most important things in trying to make smarter players are understanding that different kids learn different ways. And some kids can visually see something on a board and understand what you're talking about. Other kids need a demo. Other kids might need video of it and, and whatever it is. And once you know that about the group of kids that you have, 
it, it really just comes down to, to going by feel with your group in a loop of practicing skills or techniques, tying them into different situations where they might be useful, then giving kids a chance to, you know, once their technique is good enough, doesn't have to be perfect, get them into those situations, let them experiment with it, see what works, see what doesn't, talk through it with them, and then just keep repeating that. And over time, seeing where a thing, you know, a different skill, you know, scissor plays, for instance, everyone's tweeting out all the, the high scissor plays that we're seeing in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. Well, there's a lot of other places on the ice where those can be effective as well. And so if that's your focus, making sure that kids get a feel for it in the different areas of the ice where you might use it. And, and as they go, they get more confident with it. And now it's something that they can add to their game. And two weeks from now, when they're playing their first game in the fall, they can go put it to use. I, I think Dan has a few little ideas or some thoughts on the scissor play from his past summer here where he's down in Florida. Last summer, I got to go to uh, Belfry's elite, like Kane camp, basically. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool being on the ice with Barzal, Matthews, and Kane. I was just the iPad guy, but even just, like, being on the ice, I had to keep make sure my mouth didn't – my jaw didn't drop to the ice. Pretty ridiculous. Oh, I yeah, What were you guys working on? I, Greg, I can't give away state secrets here. You saw it on the ice. I saw it on there. So, anyways, a little bit of the scissor plays that uh, Belfry was working on down there. So, I, I won't go any further than that on the state secrets, but he did talk about that at a, at a few different places. So, I think that's uh, pretty evident of, of where the game is going is that high cycle and having that three on two uh, and having to try to pull away that center from the net and then get numbers to the net. Yeah, and I've seen some of the video. I'm, I'm sure you probably shot some of it, actually, that, that he would post and – different places on YouTube or whatever it is. And it must've been a blast to be down there with not just all those players, but all the different coaches that he had out there and, and just that whole group. It must've been a great time. Yeah, it was cool. I was hoping to go back this year, but COVID got in the way. It's funny. Yeah. I like didn't have any travel plans really this year. Uh, and that's like the one thing that I'm like super bummed about, you know? Yeah. So go figure. Um, so t let's go back a little bit. Cause I'm kind of curious, how did you go from, um, being, I mean, your, your journey from as a coach is just super interesting. So you've been in, a, in prep now for how long? Uh, like 15 years. 15 years. That's awesome. And <clears throat> obviously, I'm sure you've, you've seen quite a few good players come and go. Like, what are your aspirations long term? Or is this what you want to like, where, where are you looking? To be honest, I just, I just take it one season at a time. Um, having three young kids, obviously, is a big factor in any decision that, that you make. But, you know, living on the Brooks School campus, it's a, a absolutely beautiful place to, to live. It's a great place to raise a family. You know, being a, a kid of the 80s, I liken what my kids go through now to the cul-de-sac life that I had. Like they spend their whole day tearing around campus on their bikes with the other faculty kids. They have tons of space, playgrounds, fields, you name it. Uh, at their disposal. And so, honestly, as a coach, I really like this level. I'm lucky that I get to work with some great kids here and a part of a great school community. And so, I just go year to year with that and, and with how things are going with my own kids and then obviously with how things are going with Hockey Sense. And so far, it's been a good good stretch of time here and, and I don't see anything pulling me away from it. Um, but, you know, who knows uh, when you go year to year with with coaching and, and how things go. Um, it's it's, you know, 
there's a lot of different ways you could go as a coach, but I love this level. I love the kids and, and I'm lucky enough to be doing it at a, a great school. So I could be, I could see myself st- staying here forever if they don't kick me out of here. Yeah, that's awesome. Has there, has there been anything that surprised you or maybe you've learned from uh, coaching your kids about hockey sense that like, I don't know, you're coaching prep hockey, good hockey. It's a different age, obviously, like we've talked about, but you know, I don't know, maybe a concept that you were surprised they picked up on fast or something that you just like looked at a different way or anything like that? I think the biggest thing that I really learned from them, um, and, and I first learned it from a guy named John Lounsbury, is really big on using different analogies in different situations for the kids. Um, and I've in the past used those from time to time with the older kids, but seeing how that makes it so much easier for young kids to pick up different things. Uh, and, and I think I've started to use a lot more analogies with the younger kids that now carry over into what I do with older kids, but just finding different ways to try to get them to see what you're talking about has been probably the biggest thing that I've, I've learned from the youngest kids. That's wonderful. I, I have some phrases uh, for my college kids I can't use with my younger kids. So <laughs> I totally understand that you got to figure out different analogies that work for different age groups and I know even just generation going down 10, 20 years, uh, I can't make the same references. It's, it's a whole different, whole different playing field there. So uh, I'm kind of curious on what other ways you kind of help those kids retain what you're teaching. Cause it's, it's such good stuff. Like how, you want, it's not enough to know it. It's how do we transfer it? Um, and maybe some of the tools, the trades you have there. Well, it's, it's really about communication. And so as we go through the summer, there were, several instances once once games kicked off again where we'd be working on something and then you'd see it show up two or three times in a playoff game over the next couple nights and so you'd have kids throwing a clip into the group chat hey here's a you know whatever we were working on last week um you know maybe it's an early pass on a two-on-one or whatever it is and so I think that constant reinforcement and that communication back and forth is really the best way to get kids to retain it. And then it's a little different, obviously, during the summer when I have the kids for eight to 10 weeks versus when you have the kids during the season. But over the course of the season, just making sure that if it's something that's that important, any chance you have where you see it done well, you make sure you call that out. Or any chance where a kid maybe didn't use it that you'd like to see him use it, that you kind of go over to them in line afterwards and, and nudge them and say, look, this is, this is something we've been doing. This is why we would like to have seen you use it here. And just going back and forth over it over and over again, it just slowly sinks in over time. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. One thing you alluded to is, you know, you're on the ice for a bunch of camps and you just, you're exposed to a lot of different coaches. Um, what's something or maybe some things that you see a lot of um, that you think maybe coaches just generally can improve upon? I think the biggest thing is being brief. We all go to the board if we're in a situation where we're using it and the more and more time you spend there, one, kid's attention span tends to wane and two, you're, you're spending ice time that could be used in other ways. And so I think trying to keep your message as short as possible while still getting across those two or three, four things that really matter is important. And I think the biggest place I actually saw that, and Greg, you were on some of these. This spring when we did those Zoom sessions, some of them were one-off where we only have one group covering a topic a week. 
some of them we would be using the same content with a different group of kids two or three times and you find what you're able to go through that third or fourth time you say it is much quicker and much more direct and much more thorough because you've just been through it a few times and i think one of the biggest things i notice and i'm i'm guilty of it myself a lot is we could all with a little more thought before we get into something find ways to be a little bit quicker about it. Like one example um, is, was at a camp a couple of years ago with, a, with a, a guy coached in Hockey East and it wasn't move your feet, it was just skate. And it just, it saves two words every time you say it. And it's one syllable and, and it just clicks with the kids that much quicker and just little stuff like that up to the explanations, but just be as brief as you can. And I love that you're going with those, those phrases too, or, or mottos, just, keep it simple or something that's very memorable. One that's uh, really stuck with my kids recently is control the controllables. They were taking too many penalties. All it was control the controllables. And that was something that they easily could remember rather than you got to take ownership. You got to be more disciplined, all this things that they hear constantly. It just clicks. So I, I think gotta, that's yeah. wonderful. You know, this is a little, this is tangentially related, but I'm curious, like, um, Greg's in Cleveland, you're in the Northeast, like Columbus is turning into a hockey city, but it's still, you know, we're developing kids who a lot of these kids are first generation hockey players. And one thing that I've had to kind of train myself on is that a lot of these kids just don't know the lingo. Like they just straight up, like, don't know when I yell like wheel, like in a practice or something like that, like they don't know what that means. So we've actually talked about having like a, not like homework, but like literally like a cheat sheet of like one syllable words that like you should you should know if you're going into hockey you know what I mean but I'm not that's even awesome. sure I'm not even sure like what do you think I ought to do that like what, what do you guys think is that too much that's hilarious because I actually uh, wrote about that probably a month ago and it was uh, 70 coach slangs that you should know and it was on the coach's site so I actually have like a mini dictionary for the kids you, what more than welcome to I, I highly encourage it actually because um, it, it even from one year to the next, one coach to a different coach, the lingo can be completely different. One could be skate, the other one could be wheel, move your feet, move the puck, pat, like there's so much there. How do you get everyone on the same dictionary so then you can actually understand and pick up these concepts quicker? So I'm all about that. I think it's a great idea. And, and especially if you can keep it nice and concise, like one page, it's, your kids will really benefit from that, I think. So there you go, Dan. That's our thing. Get yourself a little dictionary, make it. I'll send it to you after this. All right. Thanks. Absolutely. So um, I'm curious. So you've been with Build Hockey Sense now doing that. Um, are there some things you've created uh, and, and really are able to use the team or you just stay with video? Do you have any journaling or other things you have the kids do? So we have a bunch of different things that we do with our team here. Um, one of the things that we do, and I actually – don't run it myself. Uh, we've had for the last few years, we've had a phenomenal strength coach who is involved with a lot of different things and has run it for the guys. But we do have a journal that our kids will begin at the start of the season and will carry through with some different things. And that can be their individual goals for the year, their team goals for the year, day to day, what they want to focus on in different situations, week to week, what they want to focus on. Um, and you actually see over the course of the year, uh, some of the kids really, you know, the first thing they do when they get back and unpack their bag off the bus is sit down and write a few things down. Um, and that's a big one. We also do, you know, now it's more 
PDFs that I put in group chats or things like that, but we do do a lot of handouts throughout the year that we try to keep a little bit shorter and put out there a little bit more frequently, the old John Wooden mantra, uh, as opposed to handing out a big manual at the start of the year. And then we do do a lot with video. So it is a mix of, of a lot of different types of communication with the kids, um, but it all, all fits back to what we're trying to do and what we're trying to get across to them as, the, as a group. That's excellent. I actually uh, do a quiz. So I, I do like a hockey IQ session. I'm, I'm, I have it right here. So I've got some kids that give me this whole paper when I quiz them on it with great responses. And I have this kid, two lines. <laughs> get, 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 guess which one retained more, right? The one that actually took the notes and was able to co go back to it and see it two, three times. So I, I don't know. I, I like my handwriting. So I, I actually have the kids write things out. Um, I, I always felt like that's the way I learn better. I don't know if kids now if typing works best. Uh, but that's just how I, I do it. So I, I love that idea of handing things out, giving out a journal or at least quizzing them so they, that you know where they're at. And, and I think that's huge is observing them and knowing where they're at. And those are the types of drills that I love as well. I don't know about how you feel about this, but I, I want to be almost removed from the drill so I can just observe what's going on, pull out an iPad, and then I can go over to that kid afterwards. Oh, you see right here, like you can't argue with me, black and white. Yeah, I think, you know, over the course of a season, when you have a group, you, you can kind of see that progress. You know, there might be a drill that, at, or a game that as the start of the year, as the coach, you've really got to kind of manage it to get them to understand what you want to do and how you want them to play. And then by the end, it might even be, you know, it might be a small area game where there's not even whistles. The kids are changing on their own as they start to see that, you know, 25, 30 second mark, whatever it is. Um, and so the more that kids run the show I guess you could say I, I feel like the better you can step back from it observe things and be able to go line to line in the middle of things and talk to the kids about what they're seeing and, and what maybe you would like to see out of them during it it's definitely uh, definitely subscribe to that approach yeah that's awesome I mean is there any favorite drills activities you have kids to do to kind of get in that mode and start to ask questions and take ownership of their own game there's definitely some games over the course of the season where, uh, and the concept can be whatever you're, you're focusing on them. But one of the things, you know, if you play a game for, for 12 minutes, you might stop it in the middle for a minute or two. And usually coach grabs the kids, starts ABC, whatever it is, back you go and play. Um, if you don't do that, if you stop it and have, all right, light, you're over here. Talk amongst yourselves about what you want to change, what you want to keep going with. Dark over there, the same thing. And then have a coach standing with or behind each group just observing what they're saying. And then if you need to maybe prompt them a little bit here or there, you can. I think things like that can really help the kids to get going with that. And the more, the more creative leeway they have with it and the more they're sort of driving that talk or driving how they want to play that game, the more ownership they're going to get from it. That's awesome. I, I need to do more of that. I, I feel like I'm usually prompting uh, a lot of the conversations. I don't know when, when it gets to games. I, I do make sure that they're debriefing when they get off the ice and then preparing for when they're off and trying to get that conversation on the bench. But I don't think I do enough in practice uh, now that you're mentioning it. That, that's awesome. You do things in games as well or, or try to have them have those conversations or sit them next to each other in locker rooms. They're almost forced to talk with each other. 
Well, it's, it's funny. In games, it's a little bit harder uh, for some kids. And you start as you get, and I'm lucky that I have a lot of our kids for three or four years. And so you get to know them over the course of that time pretty well. And some kids come back to the bench, grab a swig of water, and they're right at it with their line mates, you know, going through everything that happened, everything that they want to do again. Other kids need way more time and just can't, can't really do that as much during the game on the bench. And so kind of goes back to knowing the kids that you're working with really well and knowing which kids you can ask a question to in the middle of a game and you're going to get what you want to out of that conversation versus the kid who maybe isn't as open shift to shift like that and you need to say, hey, this is what I need to see here. And then with that kid, that conversation maybe happens the next day before practice, looking at a little of the video or something like that. Because, as you know, we all know we're all different. Kids are all different. Some kids in that moment can really start going back and forth and, and have that conversation. And for other kids, it's just they've got to be ready for the next time that they go out. And they can only take small, small snippets between shifts. No, that's a great point. That really is. Um, and – with the differences in the kids, are there some maybe traits that are common to players you've seen really take their game to the next level and really be able to learn a lot of these concepts and, and they, they have something or they do something that's different than just the average person that lets them excel? I think the biggest thing that, that I would say is, is seeing kids that are really engaged. And a lot of the smartest players that, that I've had the chance to work with, whether it be in the summer or at Brooks, or wherever it is, you know, as an example, some guys are on the bench and, and like you said, they're having those conversations, but they're watching what's going on in the ice. They're noticing something about the opponent as they're sitting there on the bench, but the next time they go out against that guy, they're going to use to their advantage. And so that, that, that level of engagement, really being aware of what's going on around you is something that I see really separate kids. And we talk about it during our summer sessions a lot in, if you're not in that first group in line to do a new drill or do a new game and somebody in that group makes a mistake and you don't observe that mistake and then you go out and make the same mistake, that's, not being engaged. But if you see that and you hear the coaches next to the line talking about the mistake that was made, and now you get that right away and you go in and do that, that's something I see really separating kids is that engagement, that awareness of what's going on at all times and being able to grab little bits of info here and there and use them right away. Yeah, man, that's so important, the engagement thing. I think that's going to be something that I'm going to like really focus on this year is trying to understand which kids are less engaged and what I can do to help, you know, prompt them. Because I don't know, sometimes when you're coaching, like you're, you're coaching and maybe you don't realize like that kid isn't for whatever reason, like he's just like not engaged, but being more proactive, that's something that I'm going to really, you know, take an onus on this year. I'm curious, like either with Brooks or uh, build hockey sense or both, what do you, what do you perceive maybe aside from COVID is like your biggest challenge for the upcoming year? I think beyond all of the fallout from, from COVID, um, the biggest challenge that I see for the upcoming year uh, with Brooks is integrating a pretty big group of new kids into our program. Um, 
And then for hockey sense, I think the biggest thing is going to be figuring out how to support all of our players throughout the season through things like the Zoom hockey hangouts that we did um, and the intermittent skates that we'll, we're able to do uh, without taking away from what I have to do with the guys here at Brooks and what I have to do with my own kids' teams. That's awesome. That's great. So I only have got one more question for you. Maybe give us some specific uh, actionable items or drills that kids can do or coaches can have uh, players run through and really build their hockey sense or an element that will lead into being able to build that hockey sense. Uh, I'm huge on if you can't see and exactly what you talked about, if you don't have that awareness at all times, it's, it's going to affect your ability to, to grow as a player. So I'm huge on that, but I'm curious as maybe some specific takeaways for players and coaches that are listening or even parents I'd like to take the kids out to the rink. What can they, what can they do? Well, for coaches, and again, a lot of it comes back to knowing the group of kids that you have and, and where they're starting from and where you want to get them to, and then designing the drills or, or games that you play for most of your practice around that. And as a player, I, I think that um, there's a few things that kids should do. One is every kid that I come across for the most part needs to watch more hockey. And when I mean watch hockey, I don't mean watch highlights on YouTube. I don't mean watch and post on Instagram. Sit down and actually watch the game. Pick out a player who some part of that player fits your identity. And every time he comes over the boards, just focus on him as much as you can while you're watching it. Or I, you know, I talked to, to um, some of the girls that I've coached about, you know, go, we go watch the Olympic team play or the national team play. You go find the girl that her traits are what you want to play like and you watch her every single shift while you're here. Um, another thing that, that kids can do while they're watching the game is, is put themselves in the game. Think about what they would be doing in a particular situation. And all right, so I'm watching Patrice Bergeron and, and he is the support guy in the corner in the D zone. Well, this is what I would do if I were there. This is what he did. Okay, maybe there's something you can learn from that. I think for, for players, that's the biggest thing. And then going into practice with one skill thing that you want to work on, but also every time you're doing something, how does this tie into the game? Where am I going to use this? All right, we're working on this skating technique. Where's three places in the game where I can use this? So they're starting to envision where they're going to use it long before they're even done practicing it. Visualization, that's awesome. That's great stuff. I was fortunate that my dad coached, so he always had me watching a certain player. I love Peter Forsberg, who I still think is the coolest player of all time. Um, and you can learn a lot about him. I wasn't a big guy, but even a reverse hit, just catching a guy off off guard, it was was huge and gives you a competitive advantage. So those little details, like Bergeron, you said, he has a ton where he's always on the right side of the puck, has a great stick. I think that's absolutely massive. Yeah. Forsberg was a beast. He was a good one for your dad to, to have you watching. Greg, it's kind of funny. Like we've had conversations over and over just about how how important it is to watch hockey. And it's like, it's such a simple thing, but it can't be understated. And I just wonder if this generation or whatever gener generations plural now, like just have, there's just so many competing interests and devices and whatever, but Dave, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, I, I'm all good on questions. Greg, you got anything else for him? 
I just got one comment, and then I'm going to open the floor up for you here. I actually had a mite. I was doing a mite tryout uh, for the local youth organization, and he was trying things that were unbelievably creative. He was literally trying to pull a puck up on a breakaway between his legs and do the lacrosse move of spinorama. Like, I'm going up just like, this might be the coolest mite I've ever seen. Like, where did you find this stuff? He's like, oh, I watch YouTube highlights. So exactly what you're saying. Highlights, but he never actually watches any games. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a place for watching highlights because you're going to see stuff and, and pick up stuff there, too. You watch enough highlights of Connor McDavid, you're going to see those little habits that he's got that show up over and over again. But you really want to be well-rounded, then, yeah, you got to do a lot more than, than just watching the highlights. Um, we, had a, we had a very successful girls coach here who just uh, retired from coaching this past spring. And uh, at her previous school, she had an old, you know, an old VCR back in that era. And every day before practice, she would just go in and put a tape on of just a game for the girls to watch. And that was on in the locker room every single day before they went in for practice. And so it's almost, uh, you know, not forcing them to watch it, but it's, it's hard to turn away from when it's already on when you walk in, right? That's right. Path of least resistance. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. My dad actually back in the late 80s, before I was even born, uh, used to VHS all of the Penguins games. So I saw games from 1988. Get your Miller High Life and Iron City beers, and uh, watching and a lot those of Lemieux highlights. Robbie Brown was my favorite back in that day. I mean, Lemieux, everyone, Lemieux's everyone's favorite. Beyond that, I, I loved Rob Brown. He always came across the net and he would shoot back the other way, and the goalies never could stop it. It was, I, I was amazed. A guy, not that he wasn't talented, but had that many goals. And then I realized that he played with Lemieux, so a lot more space out there for him. Yeah, that helps. So, all right. This has been a, a great conversation here. I'm really glad that you came on. Uh, I know I know I've followed your work for a long time now and had similar ideas around hockey IQ. So, thanks again for coming on. Um, but these last few minutes, uh, two minutes, we're going to give you the whole floor, talk about anything and everything you want. Well, first, thanks again, guys, for having me. This has been a great time. Um, obviously, we've interacted on online a little bit and you know, we're on the same page with a lot of the hockey IQ stuff and it's fun to, to sit down face to face and do this. And I think, you know, the one thing that while you're putting together the hockey sense program or whatever it is that you guys are doing with your teams that, that came back into my mind and I can't remember who said it. Uh, but, you know, when I was going through a coaching clinic, one of those first few years that I was coaching, somebody got up and said, kids don't get up and say, I'm going to go to the rink and work hockey today. They say, I'm going to go to the rink and play hockey today. So whatever we do, whatever drill, game, before practice, anything around the kids in the rink, we got to remember that at the end of the day, it's a game that we all love and it's got to be fun and it's got to be competitive and it's got to be positive. And if we can find ways to do that and if our players love the game more when they walk away from our teams at the end of a season than they did when they got there then it's been a pretty good year and so I think that's that's something that I try to remind myself of as much as I can and and hopefully everyone else does too beautifully said. that's all gotta have fun gotta be cracking up I do I do jokes on on the bench really bad dad jokes they, they make fun of me it's camaraderie for them team building that's yeah. awesome. Thanks again, Dave, and best of luck this upcoming year, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. It's been fun.
Thank you for tuning into the Hockey IQ podcast. We are Hockey's Arsenal, Greg Rivak and Dan Ducart. Together, we've come together to create a platform and a community to expand on hockey intelligence, hockey IQ, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're very passionate about seeing this game played smarter and better and continue to develop itself uh, to the next level and staying on the cutting edge of things. So you can find us at Hockey's Arsenal on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We're also at hockeysarsenal.com. Uh, from there, you can find some resources and some options to work with us. We're excited to continue this. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, follow, and share. Uh, you can also join up for our newsletter as well, where we're going to tackle anything Hockey IQ related. So we're excited to have everyone here and continue to build That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch you buttes here next week for a brand new episode.